Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And for a fresh box of Sharpies to write quippy quotes on your strike placards. That's right. This is the episode where we post up on the PA position, join the itty-bitty scripty committee, and do a little rambling about gambling. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And today we are ridiculously excited because we are joined by one of the most hilarious writers and human beings in the business. Maybe on the planet. You've probably peed your pants laughing at his jokes on shows like... Yes. Yes. And Rob Riggle's... Still peeing. And since we last saw him, he's had a baby, there's been a pandemic, and his career has blown up. I'm pretty sure none of those things are related. Maybe. Pretty sure. Nonetheless, we are so excited to see our old friend and welcome him to the show. Please get crazy in podcast land and put your hands together for Bennett Weber. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, yeah, that's our... Yeah, where, my, where my web head's at? Thanks for tuning Woo. in. <laughs> Here's the thing about Bennett. Bennett came from Syracuse and just like... Wait, was it Syracuse? It was, yeah. Yeah. You blew it up while your peers watched on in awe. Like, you didn't have to do they, that much. I actually... You were driving a caddy and they were still Ubering. Yes, I did. I did drive a Cadillac. That's true. But, but that was at my father's insistence. We drive Cadillacs in this family, even if we can't afford them. Uh, I remember he gave me a gift, which was a lease on a Cadillac that he wasn't paying. So he goes, here's wow. responsibility. Same guy gave me a dog. It's like, here's a life you have to be in charge of now. These are gifts from me. It made you super uh, uber responsible. He's very, yeah. I wouldn't No yeah. boat, but here's an anchor. Right. Exactly. Here's here's some debt. Great. Love it. <laughs> but look how look how well you had to do in order to get out. Exactly. I know. That's what no really pushed excuse. me was the need to keep the dog alive and the car paid for. Um, the dog is demanding. It is. It is. It how is. is Winnie doing? Winnie is lovely. She's covered in fatty cysts, but couldn't be happier. Polly uh-huh. is covered in cysts too. I'm I'm always like. I need to take you to Pimple Popper, Dr. Pimple Popper. That's right. And like you all, and you have this debate within yourself because they're benign, but they're gross. Yeah, so they're like, gross. Because you, yeah. you're basically like, am I willing to put my dog under for surgery because I want her to look better? And like, am I that vain? And I'm just like, yeah, probably. Probably. You know, it's, it's LA. If, if, if like the number one thing you get out of your dog is petting them and it's become gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do they smell or ooze? The question is if they smell. The same sensation as those like (laughs) popping bubbles that you get in packing. Uh Just like I'm, it's not why I go to my dog. Um, And and, you know, even with packing bubbles, if I can't pop them, I throw it away. But let's let me back this up for one second because that's an important thing. Like a lot of people out here have dogs and they can barely afford their rent, but they don't want to be lonely because LA can be a lonely city. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about this for a second. Um, you, you had to hustle when you got out here. Did you, was script supervisor or PA the first thing you did when you got out here? Because sometimes people script supervise and they suck at it and then they get demoted to PA. No, 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 no. And also script supervisor is different in every type of show. That's right. Very different animal on live television and, and pageants and dog shows and all the stuff I did. It's, 
you're basically the logistical manager of the it's not a continuity thing because it's live so there is continuity like it can't be like we'll go back and do that again and make sure your pants match because it's live your pants are going to match so it's more just planning the logistics and the timing of the whole show and uh, it's a three-person department that makes sure that you end on time and everybody knows exactly what they're doing you're essentially the keeper of the information and then when you get into scripted stuff, it's more continuity stuff. And uh, actually you're in charge of a script and making sure you shoot all of it and remembering what you shot already because you're shooting it over the course of two or three days. So it's it's a different job for for every type. And I, I did variety and live stuff. I never I never actually did a, 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 cre- a, a movie or a sitcom or anything like that. So you're saying you've got the easy job. No, I had the live. hard one where you have <laughs> have to have the whole show in your head. Um, you're, you're herding cats in yeah, exactly. of, like yeah. live in front of an audience. Sure, sure. Well, and, and dogs literally once. I did a couple dog shows. Um, oh my God. How did you get that gig? Were you like, did you like arrive in LA and go, oh, there's an opening for script supervisor. I'm pretty no, anal. It's, my whole My whole thing has been like red phone stuff where like you prove yourself to be because that department is is pretty logistical. And if you have a good brain for that, it's like, who's the most fun to hang out with on top of being able to arrange this Handle information. It. So sure. mm-hmm. I got a lot of calls as being the, the, the least, you know, probably to my detriment concerned person that did that job. So like, if it was an easier job and they needed a script supervisor, they would just call me and like, so I would do a show like I did an Animal Planet show that was like, a documentary about how great spring was we really blew the lid off that and then yeah. uh, the same guy who did that was doing a dog show and he's like do you want to come do this and i'm like i don't know anything about it but sure because it's all just figuring out the layout of the show and things like that but i don't know if you know the answer to this but how the hell did such obviously different jobs get the same name script, script supervisor? supervisor yeah these are not the same job well <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, you are you are taking care of the content. It's just the content's being executed differently, so you have to do a different thing. I guess I don't know. Right. So uh, and also, just resume, people are people are lazy. Yeah. <laughs> are lazy. The top of the resume is script supervisor, and underneath is live shows, dogs included. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. So, so did you start as a PA, and that's how they got to know you? I and did they were like, one PA job, but it was so bad that the script department's like, this guy can, it's like, you're out of nom. And then you're like, okay, you're ready to be a hitman. You know, you've been mm-hmm. enough shit. You can do whatever. Um, so you're moldable. That's Wait, right. so you so weren't so they, bad at peeing. The job itself was so bad that you the had job to was PA. so bad. And so many people got fired and, or, and or you didn't, and I didn't. And uh, how long was that? Were you there for a year? Were you there for a season? Um, like, what, what are we talking? It was a show. Uh, speaking of Syracuse, I came out to LA and I went to an alumni event and I let, met some people that were starting on this reality show uh, called Married by America. Oh, God. Producer of Joe Millionaire, to put a time. Oh, God. It, back when mm. that was a brag. And um, yeah, and I it was sh- shooting in Redondo Beach, like, two days after I was at that bar meeting that guy and I ended up being a PA on that. And it, it was, I forget how many episodes, but it ended up being less than they thought it was going to be because America wasn't excited about marrying people. 
or as excited as they wanted them to be. It was just, it was just a bunch of people that wanted to be on television and then America would pick which Who gets to get married caring of them they would want oh. to marry on television that's terrible and they get engaged very early i think like love is blind if i'm but without the blindness i and, love and love is blind show them argue for 3 or 4 episodes and at the end they would either get married or not get married and i can't even remember who got married and who didn't i but uh, tale as old as time wait was it a real marriage ceremony so they had to go get it annulled afterwards uh, yeah, I would assume so. I didn't really care yeah. that much about their lives, but probably. God. <laughs> America, America does not marry people lightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was multiple episodes and I was a PA and I ended up being like the late night editing PA. And it was, it was very funny because oh, it was the guy, it was the guy, it was back in the Fox days where it was, it was, it was, uh, the guy who produced like the swan and oh, uh, the one where the where the the little people pulled the jet and like just reality shows that like nobody remembers but like we were like american idol had hit so we're just gonna do reality forever and burn it out right um was this and now there's a strike so they're gonna keep doing reality forever and yeah and we burn it out in, until we hadn't tapped into the real money being in rich people yelling at each other which is right what, what is where the real money is um but uh, so it was one of his shows, and um, where is he know. now? Is he still doing reality? I'm sure he is. Uh, okay, has he I asked you know. to come back? Probably. I mean, every <laughs> weird thing on Fox, I assume some of the same team are involved in. Let's get Bennett. He, he's on. <laughs> Let's get uh, Bennett to come back here and plug us because he's on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean. Used to be one of my favorite, favorite, favorite shows. So I'm so excited. And it's your favorite show now. It's my favorite show now. And Absolutely. I'm so excited yeah. that you guys this did this. This is my this. favorite podcast. That's your favorite show. Everybody knows everything. That's Honestly, cool. I think like bringing back the style of comedy is so needed. And like we're slowly getting there. This is a comedy Gen X wants to see and old millennials. So <laughs> keep going. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are watching it. Knock, knock wood, which is good. Um, but uh I got to see the process of a show that was supposed to be a big hit because at the first day you have the lady who's making crepes and fajitas and craft service is amazing. And then mm -hmm. by the end, it's a red vines thing with peanut butter on the rim because the editors are, <laughs> eat, don't have spoons to get the peanut butter. So they're eating peanut butter with their hands and then getting red vines. That's, that's, that was the evolution of that show. And that's how long it, it went. And like, um, but the script supervisor on that brought me, uh, said, can you get a computer and a passport? I believe was her question. Because the week after that one ended, I went to I went to Panama and did Miss Universe as a as a script supervisor. Oh my learning, god! Learning the job as I could, but the if I didn't know what I was doing, it was fine because no one there spoke English, so it was Stop. fine. Stop! I was just gonna say they brought you in to do a Spanish speaking show. No, How no, long no, have no. you been Miss, on Duolingo? No, no, no. Miss Miss Universe is in English. It's just oh, in another okay. country. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Also, okay. Duolingo didn't exist yet. Yeah, I did do the Latin VMAs once, and that was in Spanish. Um, but uh, I figured it out. <laughs> I mean, I have 489 days on Duolingo, and I know more than I thought I did. I'm just going to say that. So let's talk about that for a second financially. We're on strike. We're on strike. The, the writers' union's on strike. Mm-hmm. 
Are you concerned? Do you have a backup plan? Is it reality television? Because you're a union writer. Like, what are you going to do? What's your if plan, it, if, man? If television never comes back, what am I going to do? Going to mow lawns, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably just start charging people uh, when I'm a podcast guest. I don't know. Uh, no, oh, that's smart. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're gonna. I, I, have, we'll I, have the utmost, I have the utmost faith that uh, it'll it'll end at some point. It's just a question of how satisfying it'll be when it ends. Right. Um, Do you right. think the guild will crumble and it'll just be free enterprise? Uh, I think the guild is amazing. They really know how to pay for it when you need your appendix removed. And that's I right. Bad to say about the guild, and I know they're fighting hard for good good reasons. And it's just a question of. Uh, <laughs> what the billionaires are willing to give up and how long we're willing to wait to see if uh, the billionaires can humanize themselves. You guys, uh, I just got a, an email um, and- From Bezos, he heard what yes. I said. No, 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 uh -huh. no, no. But the union, union employees have, our guild employees have put together a food bank for writers who aren't in a position where they had savings, who aren't in a position to pay rent um, because the show, the union is on strike. And they've been picking up, you know, uh, side hustle gigs, Ubering, things like that. But they've put together a food bank and all you have to do is apply. Um, and it takes 48 hours for them to review your case and your income. And then they will provide you with groceries or grocery gift cards. And all of that comes from other writers donating to the cause. Just FYI, I thought that was important. Yeah, a friend of mine held an auction to raise money. Another, yeah. uh, the assistant to our showrunner got a got a grant of money from from a writers guild cause to like keep her paid and you know she's on the she's on the picket lines with us a lot of people are working really hard to let the strike sustain itself while still letting people you know live, live. have a living yeah. it's, it's interesting because like cool. you look at you look at like teamsters when teamsters strike they have like they're always paying into a strike fund mm -hmm. so when they strike they they draw a paycheck Mm -hmm. um and it goes for quite a while but but neither writers nor actors guilds have that per se it's just kind of like yeah when, when we it's, it's well there it's, are differences between unions and guilds they're not created equal but they're under the same branch or home protection it? yeah sorry i don't know i gotta rewatch the irishman but yeah i'm they're a little different but yeah. um uh no, but yeah, I, I would mainly just say, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. If I'm the one who needs to give this message, like there's a lot of help out there for writers that aren't as lucky as me to, you know, not be, not that I'm prepared for this, but that I can handle this. Um, and the, you know, I, 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 I don't, I think what we're doing is important, but it shouldn't be detrimental to anyone's life. So I think there's a lot of people out there. A lot of our listeners are Midwesterners and East Coasters and they don't, that aren't in the business. And so they, they don't have really an don't understanding of why we're striking. What the fuck we're doing. <laughs> what the difference between oh, no. a guild and a You're union. You're not going to ask me to claim the strike. I thought you were no. about the time I worked oh. on the dog show. No, no. We're not going to ask anyone to explain the strike. Um, the dog show is what they think we're doing. Oh, yes. I see. I see. Dog and pony show. Well, speaking of the dog show and, no, and no, just I like, uh, yeah, I, I know that, like, probably even before you joined the union, you were doing like other writing jobs yeah. just to support. Yeah, yourself, and like right? the weirdest, the weirdest point in my life was 
I did script supervising for four or five years and like did we know you when you were script supervising hmm did we meet you when you were still script supervising no you probably met me in the part that I was that I'm about to describe which was oh okay where I did both because okay. uh, as a as a really low level non-union writer like I made less doing that than I did script supervising of course so I would go back and forth on shows and the same people do both shows so they'd be try to figure out how they're supposed to be dealing with me because <laughs> oh, writer me is doing as a completely different vibe and is providing a completely different service than the person that has to you know write the rundown and you know figure right. out the staging of things so that was that was probably the most the 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 two sides part was but doing script supervising this is not the way anyone else does it but just because like your listeners, I came from a real place where you needed to get a, a job right away. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, I, uh, I got a full-time, a frequently, it was freestyle, but frequently full-time job as a script supervisor. And turns out like, though not a lot of script supervisors want to be writers, um, that was a good way to meet writers. And then those were the writers yeah. who started hiring me. And then, uh, then I would go up the ranks on their shows and then end up being the head writer of shows. And then, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was. Um, what was the head writing? What were the shows? Were they the live shows? The, yeah, the, the first one was the, uh, I've done, this will be the first year I don't do it because of the strike, but uh, mm -hmm. I've done like 16 of those. The ESPYs is how you first connected with, with uh, Rob Riggle, right? Yes. He hosted, I think the eighth or ninth one I did. And then we, we, you know, fell in love and have been working ever since. We have a production company together. Uh, we don't do everything together. Uh, he was nice enough to get a hit show on ABC that I am not involved in, but oh, uh, we do we do a lot of uh, stuff together and he's the best. And you guys have come and acted with him a lot. And mm -hmm. you know, it's just, mm -hmm. he really lets you have a real clubhouse mentality where you bring in all your favorite people to, to make stuff because that's how he started. And you it's a great it. environment to work on a set with both of you is a great environment and um, warm and friendly, supportive and kind. And I think but like most importantly, really stupid, really stupid. And if you up. have a better idea, please do it because I would say I'm working on them. Been working on them for 15 years. <laughs> um, Way to interrupt my my moment, Jason Bieber. Yeah, it was lovely. Uh, no, I meant I meant stupid. In, so the in marriage like, is still going way. okay. You're in separate rooms, or uh, yeah, yeah. ten okay. years solutions. You guys, ten year anniversary tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. This is uh, we're going to call this our ten year anniversary. Oh, episode. happy! I'm glad to be the first one to say happy anniversary. So, so you got the SBs. You met Rob, and that's when you transitioned into you. You guys started a production company, and you transitioned into working on his shows. Uh, we did we did a segment on Fox for nine years. Yeah, segment on Fox, and then uh, we um, and we created uh, we created a couple of shows. The one that was the most fun and the weirdest is the one you said, which was Rob Riggle's mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. one of the biggest hits in the history of. Yeah, everyone's favorite network does have a, a a huge following i mean to be honest and i know so many writers who specifically target to pitch their work to which you know i find well, super interesting them. they've since been sold which is the problem trying to do another season is right after it got sold 
or at least portions of it got sold to chicken soup for the soul oh as a as an entity and i don't think uh if you've seen rob riggle's yeah no it's it's mm -hmm. entertaining but it's not chicken soup for the soul kind of it's more of a rich gumbo for the for the gut than anything else yeah so, yeah uh but That's interesting. Um, it's in a weird place but it's still on there if people want to watch it was the weirdest show we ever did because we found out i don't know how much i can say the funniest parts i probably can't say but it was a wild show it was if you watch it we found out we couldn't go on the water that much just because of where we shot so every episode they're rolling the jet skis towards the water and then something mm -hmm. has to happen. We have to write something that makes them not actually hit the water, which we were like, this is stupid. And then a weekend of writing it, we're like, ooh, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how location informed the show versus the show informing the location. That's yeah, amazing. And also, we were produced, thankfully, by the same people who did <laughs> So yeah. we shot mm -hmm. there. Though I don't remember them going on the water much the water had become verboten. Um, oh. So, uh, so it was the same kind of look, but it was, uh, it was, we didn't, we weren't able to go on the water that much and had to shoot all our lake stuff in like one day. So we, over the course of eight episodes, we had to figure out what's worth actually, actually getting on the water on our show about riding jet skis on the water. Yeah. Okay. We had a lot of, a lot of fun on that. There's a lot of really funny people that we met and have since used in other stuff. Eliza Coop's in it, yep. uh, Billy Merritt's in it, uh, Carl Tart, uh, Allison. Oh, Carl, Carl was on, Carl show, was on the show too. Carl oh, was on the season. Did he say that that's how he made paper? That weird job he took to make some money? <laughs> he, he did, he did. He explained it at length uh, with a lot of like built-in apologies. It was, it was so funny because we were trying to figure out something for Carl to do. And in our character breakdown, we were like, like Swedish foreign exchange student and we still haven't found anything for Carl and we're like let's just have Carl do that and it'd be weird and it was he was great it was, it so was. He, invented, amazing. he invented a voice and it was it was uh you know um I was recommending him for for uh but he had his own show so maybe yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll get him on he's now available now I know because of unfortunately that show is so good um yeah that's a real bummer uh but uh but he's so talented and so funny. He's so talented and yeah. so funny and so kind and humble and like, just like such a normal, like. Yeah. It's a real person. good break from Jason for you, you know, cause you yeah. do like egomania and. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, but, um, sorry. Big chip on my shoulder. <laughs> I mean, that it's, heavy. it's a I heavy was, load. I was going to yeah. go, but. You look like you're in, a, in an Apple ad. Are you getting yeah, paid yeah. to house it? Uh, our lease ended uh, with oh. uh, our house needing to needed to get uh, some mold removed and some new windows. And it just seemed like, let's not get a new lease at this mold house. We want to buy the one we're renting right now. Yeah, um, that, that's what we wanted people. in our previous <clears throat> one pre-mold. But uh, it was the house that the woman we were leasing it from grew up in. So it was oh. like, was a no-go she it was a little it was a little too romantic to just give it to me for money um, that's bizarre because at some point you're did you what, consider like, offering her a lot of money yeah but then i remembered i didn't have it oh, oh and that you're on strike 
Yeah, um, yeah. So it totally makes sense. <laughs> totally makes sense. One thing a writer, a working writer, <clears throat> she's a showrunner on a couple <laughs> streaming series said to me years ago, she said, um, never buy a house with your first series mm-hmm. as a writer because <laughs> you will not be able to yeah, afford it when that yeah, show I ends. Friend, I have a friend who referred to his old house as his sitcom house. Uh-huh. Because he was an actor, he was a stand-up, and then he got he got a sitcom and he immediately bought a house. And then yeah. three episodes later, he doesn't have that house anymore. Because yeah. you, you never know. Yeah. Uh, I am I am I am blessed with my own weird life in that I had a full career, not full, but like a pretty pretty successful uh career before I got my first sitcom. So yeah. uh, I'm not saying again, I'm not ready to overpay for someone's childhood home or anything, but sure. it's nice it's nice to have to have done both or to arrive at one of the being one of the lower writers on a on a network sitcom, having been the head writer on some other things for about eleven years, you know. Yeah. So that's nice. I wanna ask you, because um like you were go, going back to when you were a fledgling writer when you were uh and doing all these other jobs how did you um like what were you working on what were you trying to build at the same time as doing these jobs for money yes like i know you you wrote ollie's place it's your goal to be a union showrunner my goal was to do what i'm doing now and like the fact that i'm and it's (laughs) it's that romanticism that jamie talked about too i i love multi-camera sitcoms and it bummed me out but for a while there were some good ones on but they were the only ones that were on um so that they're coming back or or that success might bring some back uh is is very exciting uh and uh, like it, it you know not to get you know uh sentimental but like uh there's a weird there's a weird parallel tract on comedy writing where writing jokes for late night shows and writing award shows and writing all these all these live variety events and that scene is very parallel to writing um narrative or writing Mm -hmm. sitcom stuff so when you go from one to the other you can be at the top of the heap on one and then you you start at the beginning on the other if you're yeah. given that opportunity because there's a lot of people that like there are still and rightfully so because they're good writers there are still you know and writers in every writer's room because it's just mm-hmm. like they assume like only certain people know how to do sitcoms and those people do them very well and sometimes people won't take a flyer on a stand-up comic or someone who writes primarily on variety shows or sketch shows or something like that because it's a different muscle which it is but a lot of people can do both um so uh it's and so this finally came to me uh the showrunner is actually you know was my roommate for eight years and like he you know I knew him in college and we've always wanted to write together again like he got started in his sitcom stuff later than I was already making money doing other kind of writing stuff and it just was hard to walk away from those opportunities and like he got that opportunity and he went up that ladder and he eventually created this really wonderful new version where he was the showrunner and they said all right we're gonna make not make you but you're gonna have to hire a lot of people that we know that we're on a lot of stuff but you can take one or two flyers and like I was one of the flyers on this one and it was uh because you know we we'd been wanting to do this for a while and he hired me and it meant a lot to me and then this is Dan right 
this is Dan Rubin, and uh, I, I owe him a lot. And uh, it was, it was, it's, it's, it was, it was, it's a pretty, you know, it was pretty uh, frustrating that it took this long until it became this to be my first one, and then it became the exact perfect thing, and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, yeah. pretty great. When you're an artist, a writer, an actor, um, the gamut, it's you put yourself into everything it's not like going to a marketing job where you can let it go at the end of the day and go home and be the person that you want to be on your off hours right you've made a choice to have this job that makes a lot of money as a person in corporate america or what is um what does he say in the sh a meritocracy what does he say all the time anyways it doesn't matter Bateman, yeah yeah it's not a meritocracy yeah um no i'm asking you what it is Oh That's God. what he okay. says. He says it's not a meritocracy. Oh, right. So um, you... Is this Zaslav? This is Zaslav. Yes. Okay. Um, this so... is uh, Jason Bateman on Smartless, our, yeah. our closest competitor podcast-wise. Um, yeah. But as an, as an artist, a writer, an actor, whatever, you're taking elements from your life and applying it to your work. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is something when you've put yourself and exposed yourself in that way, fiction or not, that you can't just walk away from it. This is both life and career combined. So it does have a lot of sentimentality to it. You know, it's not your childhood home. It's more than that. It's your existence at this point. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, it can be sentimental. And, you know, when people do give us the break for the thing that we want to do, and we've been experiencing that lately, you've put all your dues, you've paid everything forward. You're, you've worked your ass off and it's at that cusp of like, what am I doing with my life that someone goes, I know what you're doing. Here's an opportunity. And that floods you with emotion, mm -hmm. you know, because there's not a clear ladder to it like there is for a surgeon or a doctor or a lawyer or again, an MBA. There is no clear path. You know, yeah. it happens when it happens in the way that it happens. And <clears throat> you can be the hardest worker and the most talented person and never cut your break. Right. Or catch your break rather. But, um. One of the thing, oh, yeah. I was gonna say one of the things I actually wrestle with. I don't know if you've ever had this, but I often find myself looking back and going like, "Oh, that that was my break. I just blew it." Oh, Jason! <laughs> no, no, I don't. But that is sad. Is this where people start crying when Jason talks about his life? Jason's in rare form. I I don't know what kind of snark pill he took, but he's in rare form, and I, I, I well, I don't mean it snarky, and I don't mean it like as a as a sad thing, but like you know, many people. I, I I've gone through a lot of my life. Going, oh, if I only had the breaks, and then I get a little further along, and I look like oh, those were breaks. I had breaks. You know, sure. not every break broke my and, way. You know, the but... whole, I mean, again, my, a lot of, I'm sure the side hustles you're talking about on your show, like my, anything that has been my other job since college has also been some version of a television job. And yeah. Like, a lot and, of people's, a lot of people's, when you come out here, you, you find those gigs. Yeah. And it's just, and like the thing, if anyone wants to learn from this podcast, it just meet people and yeah. you know collect the people that you think are talented and you know always be uh, uh, your best version of yourself to people and then like you know an SB's whatever 10 years ago with drake was written by bashir saladin and and diallo riddle and then 
we work on a couple of things and like we keep in touch because we become friends and then they get to create this amazing sketch show and you become one of their early phone calls and then you yeah. get to do something really iconic and fun like that because you met this person on a completely different kind of show but you know you you presented yourself well and you did your job well and you proved yourself a decent hang and then you know it pays off later you know I yeah I I I knew I know Dan socially for over 20 years, but, you know, he's also just a guy I met in college and, you know, that kind of relationship that started in my, you know, junior year of college, taking a weird class together has led to this. So it's just all same with you guys. You guys worked on a short film that uh, a, a friend of mine uh, and I did together. And then, and, you know, and then I get to you lucky enough to, you know, randomly call you to act in what 10 or 12 bits for Rob Riggle and stuff like yeah. that you yeah. start collecting people we feel the same way yeah we feel the same way and it's not maybe just, luckier yeah and it's not just that like um you couldn't you couldn't explain that without having lived it but I'm trying I'm trying for my students which by the way I need you to come speak to them this semester yeah um if if you've thought this went well i'll do it again in front of them it's all right. <laughs> um, but uh and i don't know how young people are that that listen to this but like it's true because some people poo poo like you know television and film and as far as like a college career and no one you know, i mean you learn stuff but no one like is impressed by your degree almost right like, no yeah but, but i will say like what you're saying like and what I said about my first job, I got it through an alumni meetup. Yep. So if you go to the right school that casts the wider net in the world you want to be in, that stuff can really pay off. And if it's, you go to a school where you meet some people that will eventually make it out here and do, you know, I have all kinds of friends that are like editors and are show running shows 100%. on Bravo and doing all different kinds of things. Yeah. Like that's the network. That's what college really helps you with if you go to one mm -hmm. that, you can build that kind of network. It's not the piece of paper, though. That's fun for your parents and everything. But like, yeah, it's it's, it's about it's about it's about it's about people, guys. And don't be a people. dick. Don't be and a to dick. Be honest, be nice. my that's parents. What, well, that's what I'm. That's what I was saying. Even as a script supervisor, like I was okay at it, and yeah. other people were better. And yeah. I got a feeling that I got a couple more calls than people that would have been better because I was a better hang. Yeah, like, that's. I teach this all the time. I'm like, you guys. You could be the person that comes in with no experience, but the best attitude. And I'm going to teach you everything on set that you need to know to do the job because I'd rather you than the guy who knows it, but is a dick. Like, I don't want to work with dicks. People don't and want like, to work with dicks. And I got to the point with that job, not only because I was doing other things, but it was just like unfair to the productions because I was like, this could be going smoother with someone who was better at it, you know? And there are people who do that job really well. And like their aspiration is to go from script supervisor, production supervisor to like AD or director and which sure. is more like following that logistical, put a show together path. Yeah. And like, yeah. I was, I just, just, I would marvel at the people who were really good at that. And like, and like, I'm glad that I left that to them. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, and uh, you know, I was, I was doing it because it was adjacent to what I was wanted to do and it yeah. paid better than being a PA, but like every job has someone that will, you know, be really good. At it, and I'm glad that, those people have that job more than I do now, but it was, it was fun at the time. And again, it's another opportunity like college where like I met a bunch of people who made live television shows. Yeah. And then I get moments now where like a show where I was the script supervisor for a year, I'm then 
requested by the host to come in and write for the host. And then they're like, isn't that the guy? I'm like, yeah, isn't it weird how that worked out? It's like, and believe me, I was bad at that. I'm good at that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great it's a opportunity. Small world and it's fun. I think it's interesting that you had that work out for you because so many people have on this show, uh, we've heard a lot of stories of people who found that they were getting stuck in the adjacent career, that it was actually preventing them from uh, being seen as what they yeah. wanted yeah. to or what they were good at. And it, and again, it's and it's also like there's a lot of writers and like we're all very protective of like what we do and, uh -huh. and stuff like that you know maybe wouldn't give the shot that I got and then yeah. but you know you find the one who would and like it was a guy is a guy named Greg Jennings and it was on the SPs and like one year I was I was the script supervisor and the next year I was uh the on the writing staff because he just gave me a shot and like yeah that first shot is what you need because as if you're good at writing and people find out about it you'll yeah. do pretty well like people yeah. will like want to take advantage of you um so do you want to direct an episode that you're writing or do you ever take a chance because you're such a talented performer too and you're so easy with words and the camera going on does not affect Bennett so do you ever write yourself apart like I'm gonna write myself a line into this episode or I'm gonna work so a lot of writers work towards directing an episode of the show they work on structure the structure of a single cam multi-camera week is not really conducive to that because i would have to leave the writer's room to go rehearse mm -hmm. simultaneously with the writing of the episode um so and people do it yeah like i would i i am so into the writing that i would almost not want to leave the process of of rewriting um yeah. i like i like to be involved in that i do occasionally get excited when when I'm I'm helping to punch up scripts or I'm writing the initial draft uh, about the table read because yeah. I know it's not a part where they'll they'll fly someone in yet uh, or, mm -hmm. or the the person will be at the read so I'm like you know some weirdo in the jail cell I'm like oh I'm gonna kill this and and you know I'm gonna see if I can get Lara Cat to laugh or something like that yeah a hundred percent and that that's more my my meager goal at this point. Um, but, uh, and also multi-cam wise, the directing is so, um, is not the same as, as a single camera film. Like I think right. my aspiration one day might, might be to be, to do more, more of, more of that kind of narrative thing than a single camera thing because, uh, or a multi-camera thing. Cause that's more like staging a play and like, you want to figure yeah. out a way where once it starts, you're doing very little directing. Yes. Um, which yeah. is a skill. And I'm amazed we've had some really great directors. I mean, uh, Pam Fryman, who did so many great shows, uh, did our pilot and she was just um, how perfectly staged everything was, but I didn't see her do anything because it all happened while I was writing it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a whole different skill. And it, I assume it's like directing a play, but again, I'm in the writer's room trying to figure out, you know, who's going to trip in a bucket. So I don't know. But uh, and, and I say like uh, multi-cam from an actor's perspective is great. I love working on multi-cam because it is like a play. And, yeah. um, and it is you have a good director. We yeah. only have the, we have the one, we have one day of, of, of pre-shoots where we shoot a couple things that would not be able to sh be shot in front of the audience. And those are great because we have great actors. It's across the board, great cast. But um, 
when we yeah. get them in front of the audience on Friday, though, it's a whole different thing. It's it's pretty electric and exciting. And, yeah, energy. And like, and that's another good reason for multi-camps to come back because you're right. I think it's more fun for an actor who appreciates knowing exactly how well they're doing because they'll, mm -hmm. they'll it's them. acting. I mean, for single cam for film. It's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. But a multi-cam in front of a live studio audience, you're just going and it's great. I mean, I think it's- Yeah, you um, get that thing. Cause you, it's not like we use the first take or anything. Like we do multiple takes, but you also get the, uh, like there's the thing where you're on the fourth take and you just don't want the audience to like think it's rote. So you go, a writer will run in and give you like three new jokes. Yeah. And then you get to have the experience all new again of a new reaction and- or you get to see that joke bomb because they like the first one. But either way, it's exciting and electric. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like being the writer? So we had um, a showrunner uh, on the show for a couple single cam dramas. And um, he was like, I do not want to be ever the writer on set. He's like, it's just not where I want to be. I send one of my other writers. But you sound like you would like to be the writer on the set. Yeah, it, we're, well, we're all there for live tape night, but yeah, on, on set and in rehearsals, I don't mind that, but that's mainly because that's every show before I did this. Like, that was where we figured it out, you know, like mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. variety shows and sketch shows, you're there all the time listening to it, and, you know, and uh, so I wouldn't know how not to be that person. If I'm not pacing around while the script's being read, then I then I, I don't know what, what I'm bringing to the table. Uh you know, it's, it's all about hearing it and and you know maybe it's changing the wording of the joke as it exists or coming up with something different because you just like you you just there's just no music to it and you know you just need something yeah. better but like there, it's it's exciting to find that with people uh be they actors directors and writers and i i like that but i also get some people are better at, at a keyboard and like i'm okay i'm okay and you know i write a pretty good draft but like some I've read better drafts where like this is you know we'll fix this because we have to and notes are going to come because people feel they have to give notes but yeah. like this is like this people is like a feel like they have thing to where give. you planned out everything and I'm like my 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 scripts tend to be a little more joke heavy yeah um, which means they're going to get cut down and they're also going to be like easily interchangeable we're like we need this kind of joke here we'll try the one here and then we'll just keep switching it out and that kind of stuff like they're yeah. not the the Bennett Weber back catalog. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I know that, I mean, I, I remember just working, going way back to the beginning with you and working on Ollie's and you were. Ollie's place. Ollie's place. And you were constantly rewriting, like tweaking the, the material as we, like, you, you would, you would give me adjustments to, to, to the text and, and Ed would be like, I felt like you were maybe, Sometimes it was awkward because they're like, was that Ed's joke that you just rewrote? <laughs> <laughs> I'm more like, let's see what would happen if we did this. Like, uh -huh. it's, you know, it's like controlled chaos. Like, you know. Yeah. Right. Like totally sometimes a, a you grand experiment. that you know isn't going to work, but if it worked, it would be a miracle. So yeah. just see, like, you know, we have the one that we know works and is easy. Let's try this really hard one. And then yeah. sometimes that leads to the actor looking at you like that wasn't going to work and you left me out here. But like, if it did work, it would have been awesome, you know? Right. <laughs> I just want to like ask one last so thing before we let you go. I the can thing... be here as long as you want. I'm just the... going to go pick it after. 
Well, the thing that's awesome. But the thing that, that I find interesting is that you could have chosen the path of being a script supervisor and had a successful career moving up. Like you talked to us about becoming an AD, second AD, director. Like you could have followed that path and, you know, been well on your way in the middle of a very successful, financially fluid career in that regard. Um, instead, you did stick to writing you started over in, in the sitcom world or in the scripted world or however we're calling it. Um, so what in you made that choice? Was it your passion for writing? It, it was. And like, it, it, I was, I'm very lucky. I mean, I had a little bug to be an actor as well when I was in high school, which has since gone away. And I now just prefer to be a one or two line ham. But yeah. uh, uh, I I knew I had a pretty good idea what I wanted to do for a while. I went to I went to school for it as much as you can, and even doing those jobs, they just felt like jobs and and ways to be adjacent to what I wanted yeah. to do. And there there is that thing, like you know, and again, there are people that are better at it than I am. But I I I thought I would would be good at it. And like, I knew I was just fine at script supervising and I, I was doing the job to the best of my ability and getting away with it. But once I got into the stuff that I was really passionate about and what I always wanted to do, I think I, I can stand out as being particularly skilled at it. And like, that's important to me that I feel like I'm contributing and bringing something that only I can. And like in, a, in that script supervising job, I wasn't, I was yeah. bringing less than someone else could. And mm -hmm. I feel like now I'm doing uniquely bringing myself and what I, what I think I can bring to every project I'm doing. Yeah. And like that kind of satisfaction, I think uh, if you can find it in your job is good. And that, that's, uh, that's, that's why I hope this was inevitable and I'm glad with about how it's all worked out. I think that's awesome. And I think that it says a lot that you stuck with, um, you stuck with people that noticed you like you never had to skip around to a lot of jobs because you put in the effort, even if it was adjacent in a position to get to the next thing that you actually wanted to do that was uniquely Bennett. And I think there's something to be said about that. And I think that it's great because a lot of people get very frustrated very quickly or have like a horrible experience, like maybe that first PA job you did. Um, where it sends them in a totally different direction into a totally different world. Instead of consistency, they're finding inconsistency and not actually building uh, a resume or a name for themselves with anyone. You know, they feel untethered, so to speak, out here. So one of the easiest things to do in the world is quit. Oh, so, yeah. You know, so it just like, and I, I just, you know, I didn't do that. I wasn't into the prospect of doing that. So, and, you know. That's what I say to everybody. If you don't quit and leave in the first five years, then LA becomes the smallest city in the world. You end up knowing everybody or you're one person away from everybody you need to know. We're, we all know each other because we lasted past the 10 year mark, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you last past the 10 year mark, you're not leaving. Um, unless it's to go to like Atlanta or. Yeah. They're making a lot of know. Tyler Perry studios is gorgeous. There's a yeah. white house. Though. Yeah. It's there's a what? A White Castle? No, a White House. Because you got a show house. called The White House. And yeah. he, he built the White House. It's yeah. there. It's very impressive. He built a, living quarters for people. 
and we were, be we were there for the whole Tyler Harrison? Perry thing, by the way. We were just like, who's that guy? And now he's the biggest mm-hmm. thing that yeah. could be. Yeah. And very good in Gone Girl, I might add. Um, <laughs> Did I watch Gone Girl? I mean, I read it, I but I'm not sure I if I watched I it. I love Gone Girl. Anyways. Uh, there's something you said. No, keep it in. <laughs> no one needs to know. Everyone needs to know that I did not. Uh, That's right. Jamie didn't see. I love something... Gone Girl the book. Sure. Yeah. He plays the lawyer. Look. He's yeah. very good. I don't yeah. know if I saw the movie. Dave, is he wearing the, he's wearing the Medea suit, so you don't recognize he's wearing him. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he plays the he plays the he plays the wife. Um, there's something you <laughs> that said that uh is resonating with me and we're I, I just want to come back to it. Yeah. Uh you said that um about you know finding the thing that not doing the job that you can do but other people could do better, and rather finding the thing that you could, you know, you could be your not just your unique self, but that you're the only one who can bring what you bring to that job, and it's of value and worth. And I think that with so many creative jobs, and yeah. frankly, especially acting, um, so many of us see it. We see it on screen, and we go, "I could do that." Mm-hmm. And sure, we can. And I'm now I'm talking. This is a very personal sure. story. Um, I saw that and said, I could do that. But when I started to do it, realized like, oh, while I can, you know, do these steps and hit my mark and do all these things, it took a very long time to figure out what I had to offer to it. That was not, um, just, you know, not as good as what other people could do. Mm -hmm. And And I I think that. You know, your voice as as a writer, I've heard it from for the very first time I've read your work. Yeah. Um, it's is special. so clear. Yeah. And yeah, you have such a distinct style of humor. Yep. And that. 100%. That, yeah, like, yeah, it's great. Your jokes do plug and play into other people's stuff. And that's very handy. And, but like and you, 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 you hear Bennett in a show and you go and look at the IMDb yeah. and you're like, oh, that was Bennett. And then you go look at his <laughs> social like. Has he promoted this? Um, because There's yeah, such a thing as a Bennett Weber joke. You know, it's like you'll, that. you'll hear yeah. casting or producers say, um, "We need a um, Tyler Perry type," you know, mm-hmm. and then they'll start listing out actors that are Tyler Perry Jason types. Jason Bieber. Um, uh, yeah. I'm. I think that the now forward or maybe a couple of years ago they start going, "Oh, we need a Bennett Weber joke teller," and and they're like, "Bennett, are you free?" Like see that's what's happening. Better. See if we can make his deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's happening. And but, you know what ends up happening? Like, and again, not that I'm, it, it's not being the best. It's about finding the job that you can bring the most to, I would say, but it's uh totally, if you're, if you're busy, but if you like meet, meet me or meet, meet that person. And then if they're busy, they'll say, have, have you thought about this person? Cause I can't do it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. cause because that's that's another that's the other thing like like collect people is the best way to make it yeah and tell and give and give when no one's in the room no be a good citizen good be a good good literary citizen be a good um actor actoring citizen be a good writer citizen like bring other people's name into the room with you you know like it that's a good thing that's not a bad thing like speak up yeah for others 
Um, I just want to say, like, I miss you, and this was such a great episode, and, like, yeah, was it, like, so. did we have did we have the dirtiest jokes or, like, the most salacious things happening in your adjacent jobs? No, but, like, I think that's okay, because we need to know that there is a path sometimes that is a little bit cleaner and clearer, and, like, that does exist for people, and it can exist for you, too, and for all my students that listen. Um, how awesome is that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I went a weirdly, you know, again, it's, you know, you're from Michigan, you're from a real place, like, yeah. you have that mentality of get a job, get and a like, job, I no one's like, gonna pay I want to work rent. in television, I'll get a job in television, and then, you know, right. that what started everything, you know, Wait it's not sexy, I guess, but. <laughs> but, there, but there's one sexy thing you did do, and you actually made some money at it, What's and that? we never mentioned it, what? which one? Play poker. Oh. oh, I did play, but I played a lot. I played too much poker in my in my twenties. <laughs> um, but that was during the poker boom, where we all thought we were going to be millionaires. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, that the poker boom. I'm glad that I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I well, you're married with a kid now. But yeah, yeah, it's hard to like know that you're responsible for sending someone to college yeah. and go play poker. Every night. Yeah, yeah. Well, your your you kid is the poker game. game now. It's the gamble. It feel- it feels better when you walk away with someone else's kids' college money. That's, yeah, that's that's true. But I, yeah, I haven't sat at a table with four strangers in sunglasses in a long time, and I think that's, that's probably better for me. I uh, I was never very good at it. We we played a couple of times, so you know that. I but, do, yes. But uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I went to Las Vegas and I played in a tournament and I won and I was very excited about that. And then the whole world shut down and I haven't done it since. Oh yeah, because that was going to be your career. It was, it was that a was for you. You bought a I was pivoting. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've gone with very, uh, the, uh, I went with a friend of mine and like, he didn't understand of when you play poker, you don't play every hand. He didn't know. He's like, but it's a game. So he just put all his money in on every hand because it's just like, it's not Hungry Hungry Hippos where if you right. like, do anything, you're not going to get any balls. Like, right. you know. So he would, go bro- he would go broke in 20 minutes and sit there and have to watch me, you know, play with strangers. But I had fun with you. So thanks I'm for bringing me I'm not talking about you. You were bad <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time and being here. And we hope we can see you again. Maybe we, the families can get together and do lunch or dinner or something. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Uh, that would be nice. This was and we a can lot even of fun, get our dogs together, it, and they can go nuts. That's right. I hope it was helpful for for your cause and your show. I had a lot of fun, and I sorry I wasn't funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no safe as in love